Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. Your host for the podcast are Samarth and Samyak. Through our podcast, we speak with startup founders, operators, creators, and venture capitalists. Through our conversations, we try to understand how these three themes are going to interject each other and provide a growth trajectory for India in the next decade. Dive into our episodes to understand more about these themes and how these three themes will come together. For the 20th episode of Thinking Out Loud podcast, we have with us the founders of Hovu Fresh. Hovu Fresh was a startup that was featured in the first episode of the second season of Shark Tank India. Hovu Fresh is trying to democratize the entire flower space wherein flowers are used as offerings in spiritual rituals in India. Through tech-enabled solutions, and strongly built operational structures and operational feasibility, Hovu has been able to democratize and break down this entire space. The fascinating fact about the founders of Hovu is that, is that both Ria and Yashoda have studied in the US. Ria had studied at Stanford and they got their knowledge from US and came back to India to democratize the entire startup ecosystem in the country. Tune into the 20th episode of Thinking Out Loud podcast to know about Ria and Yashoda's story along with Hovu Fresh's story. Hey Ria and Yashoda, thank you so much for joining Samyak and I to Thinking Out Loud podcast. We are super, super stoked to have you here and you know, having the first pitch of the second season of Shark Tank India as an episode for us, I think that's a that's an honor for us, if I may say so. And we are truly looking forward to have a very wonderful yet an insightful conversation to take this episode forward. Thank you again, uh, Ria and Yashoda, for taking out time. Thank you so much for having us here. Super excited for the podcast. So uh, I think for most of the audience, the main crux would be the entire Shark Tank bit, right? But we would want to step back a little and, you know, understand from your journey because both of you have uh, studied in the States and have some refined pedigree in your background in terms of Stanford and all, right? So just wanted to understand your childhood journey from India to the States and then again, having that innate passion within yourself to, you know, move out from the Silicon Valley, coming back to the Indian Silicon Valley and, you know, starting something in the traditional segment. Um, so I can get started. So both of us are sisters also, in case uh, we always forget to mention that. So Yashita is the older one, I'm the younger sibling. Um, so we both grew up in India. Um, we like went to school here and everything. So in Bangalore specifically. Um, we also lived in Africa for two years. So that's where our parents used to work. So we used to live in Ethiopia um, and we went to school there as well. Um, and I think for college, we always kind of knew we wanted to go either to the UK or the US. Like our parents also wanted us to like, kind of get out there and get that exposure, uh, but also have that experience of living by ourselves, by wo- working by ourselves, all of that stuff. Um, so that was kind of how we ended up going abroad. Um, I think personally for me, college was a really transformative experience. I loved all the time that I spent there. It was about four years. Um, but I think I always knew that I wanted to come back to India. Um, just like seeing the opportunities that are available in India, knowing the kind of impact that you can have here, That instead of moving numbers on an Excel sheet, you can kind of um, really make an impact to real people's lives. I think that was always exciting. Of course, thought that I'll work in America for a few years and then come back. But um, yeah, Yashta had the idea for Hubu. So yeah, that you. Yeah, I mean, completely echoing what Ria said as well. Um, 
of course, going to the U.S. for college was a given, but uh, I always wanted to come back. And I remember all my American friends used to ask, they're like, but don't Indians come here so you can get a visa and settle down? And they found it so odd. But I found it so offensive that that was their uh, assumption. I was like, absolutely not. My country's pretty great and I want to go back there. Um, and there's just it was such a great time for us to come back to as well, right? Um, there's just so much going on in the startup community or just generally people trying a lot of new things, a lot of innovation, a lot of um, government regulations changing and stuff. It felt like it was a pivotal point to come back to India. Um, and especially when we got the idea of Hubu and started too, uh, that's when e-commerce was really picking up and there's just so much happening. Flipkart was doing really well, all of that. Um, I think coming in within that atmosphere was so, so exciting that uh, it felt like that's what we had to do. We had to have something that we wanted to start and start in India. Yeah, I think people always ask like, why this idea and why these founders? But a really important question is why now? Um, you know, I think this company works because of the ecosystem that we work in, right? Like if Geo hadn't happened with the internet or uh, Zomato, Swiggy, Danzo, if these delivery apps hadn't happened, like you're building on the shoulders of giants, right? Um, of course, there's a hundred different ways it could have worked out. But the way it did is because of the environment that Bangalore has. Like, I think it's more exciting to be building in Bangalore today than Silicon Valley, honestly. Um, but yeah. Which was the so year you guys came back? Yes, Sorry? Which was the year you guys came back? Uh, so I came back to India in the end of 2016. Okay. Yeah, and I came back in 2019, midway. Okay. And we started in 2019. Okay, got it. Samad, sorry. So, uh, guys, just one question, right, before we move forward, is that um, what is that difference between, you know, the startup ecosystem, say, in the Silicon Valley side of things and, say, Bangalore side of things, right? Like, both of them are very you know, apex sort of bodies in, in the respective countries, right? And given that you guys spend time over there as well, and you, you are building from India for the world, how, how has been the difference in terms of the ecosystem play at both the regions? Mm -hmm. um, so I can speak a little bit about that. So actually, my final year of college, I was involved in a startup on Stanford's campus as well. Um, so we were like incubated at the Graduate School of Business. It was really, really exciting. Uh, and it was a tech startup, so it was kind of like the perfect fit of the place in the time. Um, in terms of differences, I would say um, it's obviously very specific to my experience, but there is so many ideas and there's so much innovation happening in Silicon Valley in California um, that people are always building off of it, right? Like you hear the most absurd kind of startups happening, like um, just to give you an example, I would see all these weird vehicles, like these different kinds of bikes and tricycles and stuff for people to go to classes on and it was all startups you know everyone is trying to disrupt everything even coming down to like what a skateboard looks like um so it's just like all these like really wacky ideas and i think it really is at the cutting edge like i don't think anyone can deny that um my experience in bangalore has been that the startups here are tackling different problems i think here we're tackling problems um, of course, it's a generalization, but I think it's more for like 90% of people rather than like that 0.1% that I saw a lot of in Silicon Valley and specifically on a college campus, right? Um, so I think that was what was uh, interesting and different. Like, I think in India, most of the tech plays that I've seen also have some amount of um, some amount of human or operational element built in. Um, 
of course that's not always true but i think largely like you know there has to be some on the ground element uh because you're not just kind of building in the air or building for the people who are just like corporates or saas or you know all of that stuff you're actually changing people's day to day lives you know whether it's like renting a bike on the street or like hiring a taxi and i think those are the problems that the bangalore ecosystem is solving for uh versus in silicon valley a lot of that is already there so you're just doing like value adds on top understood so again uh, since you gave a good comparison of how the silicon valley works there and out here uh, just a quick question so basically there it's more of a very generic tech startup ecosystem where you know they are just building a good tech or a saas product and you know they have grown there and it's like more on a valuation side of the game they are raising funds from vcs and everything but here also we we see that ecosystem developing but we are also building a lot of different products uh, you know so as to say it's not just tech related or saas related even though like bangalore is called the tech start tech uh, capital of india but uh, do you think that is also a difference between uh, silicon valley and what we are doing here of course that's a huge generalization like i'm afraid to make that generalization and then listing <laughs> all of the examples of how i'm wrong of course there's a lot of like automated cars and stuff like that happening in silicon valley as well those are like physical products that are interacting with tech right um but i think broadly my experience was that that um the typical startup in silicon valley tends to be like some kind of saas product or some kind of tech play um on top of the existing tools uh but in india i think the problems that we have are different and the stage that we're solving for is different as well good so again uh, just because we are talking about this i just want to dig a little deep on this uh, uh, you know a lot of folks say that you know uh, like uh, from cred you would have heard of it's a startup in bangalore kunal shah so he usually travels there to just understand how the ecosystem is working and how we can bring stuff here uh, meet a lot of smart people uh, you know to get more intellectual intellectually also raise the bar and he, he's one of like a very good thinkers in india that we have and building a great product right but uh, you know when when it comes to again building in india versus building there uh, our target audience is a little different like the audience you are catering to is really very different and i'm not sure if people would actually need a startup like that in this stage because i don't know if people are so religious or spiritual or you know they want to uh, do these kind of festivals so in terms of that kind of ecosystem also uh, do you think there is a huge difference in the audience also what we are catering to versus vis-a-vis uh, the states yeah for sure yeah i think just to add to that i mean i think those cultural differences even exist within the country right like a lot of startups that we build within bangalore are also bangalore core mangla in the another startups i agree and tier 1 then there's tier 2 tier 3 so of course i think those cultural differences continue to exist um like let's take the example of our product right mm-hmm. we are building for india it's a very obvious use case in india absolutely um, but actually very interestingly um a lot of east asian countries or just generally asian countries use a lot of flowers um and in fact recently both of us were in thailand and we saw that the flower usage there was so high and we were just so tempted to be like should we be opening an office okay right? <laughs> it is obviously not part of the plan right now but that demand and that use case exists we get a lot of requests from the us australia all of these places with um indian diaspora being like hey we want access to these flowers too and as that diaspora population increases and that culture becomes more accepted the use case increases there so i think of course different nuances based on the company that you are building 
But what's exciting, I think, in both places is this intellectual stimulation that you said, right? That there's a lot of focus on how do we disrupt. Um, and even if people don't know what they want to do, they're thinking about that question, right? Saying, how do we continuously disrupt? What is it in my day-to-day -day that I want to change or I want to make better? And the minute we start thinking that way, you'll always, of course, you'll have a few ideas that will never be right. well. Uh, but once you start having those ideas, the probability of getting a good one is high. I think that ecosystem change had happened in the Silicon Valley a long time ago. It's happening a lot in Bangalore right now. Um, so uh, that's super exciting to be in that ecosystem and constantly say, this is how things have always been done, but how do we do them differently? And you're inspired by ecosystems like this. Agreed, agreed. Uh, also, the culture thing which you mentioned, right, it's very good because when we're talking to VS Money, again, a startup based out of Bangalore, right? So they are saying that what we are trying to build is all the four, uh, you know, I, I would say four parts of the country uh, are specialized in the culture, right, that they are doing, right? So uh, like a coffee decoction or, you know, just uh, a coffee kind of thing is more like a South India kind of thing, which the culture they are trying to go pan india for right they are not just building the culture they are wanting to get out of that culture and get that to different parts of the country not just keep it to this side so uh, again like when you when you talk about uh, you know south indian food like dosas idlis and all it's more like a south indian traditional culture which uh, people are getting in different parts of the country now so that's what they were trying to do is getting more than getting the product in the market it's like meeting the southern culture in the market so their biggest market right now is not bangalore but their biggest market right now is Mumbai because they have managed to get that culture here right so I think that that thing which you mentioned about was actually happening and it's every every part of our country has a different culture like eastern side of the India I am from Kolkata right so I am uh, I have a very sweet tooth so I'll, I always make sure that I I get someone get me sweets from there currently I'm in residing in Mumbai so these kind of things I think is is gonna be more prevalent in the coming times because then it will be like a more interculture thing in in the entire India than just having their own culture in your own state or maybe that part of this, that side of the country. Do you think this also makes sense in some way? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, this, I mean, we've seen it happen in a global scale and now more so in um, India as a whole. There's so much to learn from each culture. And I think as these different companies try to take their specific culture to other places, there's a lot of learnings that you get from those new places. Like for us too, right, with flowers. Using flowers for puja is a very common use case in India. But even within that, when you look at different places, they use flowers differently. For instance, something as simple as marigold. Marigold use case in Mumbai, Delhi, and stuff is so high. But actually in the South, marigold is considered inauspicious for puja. So people might buy it to, you know, decorate their house and stuff, but nobody use, like a South Indian will not use it in their daily puja, right? So for me to know that, and then for us to be like, okay, we don't give marigold in our like assorted flowers package in Bangalore, but we do that in Mumbai, that is like an innate cultural thing to understand. And then our customers are like, okay, they get it. Because I can't say I'm a puja flower company. And then if we don't know that basic fact, then they're like, okay, they're just doing something without understanding the significance behind it. So uh, Rian Yashoda, you know, one question that I had more from a very consumer point of view, not consumer of your product, but say, consumer of your startup brand right is that the the play that you guys are doing is more in traditional lines mixed with spirituality and culture right but again 
the face that that the company has is say Ria and Yashoda. They are youngsters. They are from say Gen Z, right? So how how do do these two themes tie in together, right? Because this is a like I mean from a from a psychological aspect, this is very conflicting or two conflicting personas that are coming hand in hand, right? So how does this amalgamation of sorts happens, and how is it that you guys are using it for your benefit rather than you know putting you on the back foot? Mm-hmm. I think uh, even in our Shark Tank episode, like when they're starting out, uh, I don't know if it's Namita Vinita, but someone says like, "Bahut kubsurat sari me koi aayega." Like you know, you expect someone slightly older, slightly maybe more traditional to kind of be doing this company. Um, but honestly, we always saw it as a strength, and I think our team saw it that way as well. I remember when we were first starting out, we would do a lot of apartment promotions, so we'd go like door to door in apartments and speak to customers. um and you know our team would always tell them they'd be like you know these two young girls and they've started it and stuff because why not right like i think the ethos behind hubu has always been a fresh take on traditions um the idea that these traditions are really beautiful like this ritual of puja is something that is really significant in people's lives it takes up the same space that meditation or you know any mindfulness activity would in someone else's life and it's really those 10 minutes of peace and gratitude right if we can make that experience more beautiful for people uh, whether you're a believer or not you have to believe that that leads to a kinder and better world right like if you're helping people connect with themselves and like be calmer gentler more grateful versions of themselves they will take that out into the world with them as well right um so you're already taking something really beautiful in the tradition but you're looking at it with fresh eyes because the reality is that you know we meet so many people who are like or like younger people usually and they're like do people still do puja like i'm not really sure type of thing and then once we talk to them we're like yeah you know obviously the demographics are there the data is there but then afterwards we meet them after 2 3 months and they're like now i see temples everywhere i go i see flowers in every cab auto in people's hair in my office i'm seeing flowers i've not noticed it for like 3 years or ever so it's like it's just become invisible to us right a lot of people also do puja um because their mother has told them or their grandmother has told them kind of not really understanding the significance behind it or seeing the beauty in those rituals because they don't have the context behind it um so i think for us to come in as young people um i don't know for the face of the brand um but you know to come in as young founders and say we know that there's a lot of beauty and meaning and significance here and we want to look at it with fresh eyes again um i think that's what makes it work honestly i think like there's a reason that this industry hadn't been disrupted for so long right people were like yeah it's going on the way that it's going on there are so many people who have been in this industry for like decades like 3 4 decades of their life they've been doing these puja flowers right um but i think it helped to come in with new eyes and say like why not you know like why can't we elevate this experience and a huge trap always is thinking that you know everything right and not knowing what you don't know um but when you come in to a traditional industry and um I think we both are spiritual in our own different ways, whether someone does puja or not as well. Uh, so to then come into this and say, well, this is a certain ritual. I may not have done it this way. My mother does it. I'm not fully familiar with a lot of these practices. Then we know what we don't know, and then we put in that effort to understand it. And then we actually ask the questions, right? You say, but why do people use this flower and not this? Why is it that this practice is so important uh, to the person that's practicing it, right? And then when you get to the root of it, that's when you're really able to solve for it in a beautiful way. 
Otherwise, you become complacent, right? If if I was somebody that assumed that, oh, Pooja has done this way and this is just how it is, I'm not going to think about innovative ways to say how can we solve this problem better. I think that's a very excellent, you know, POV of sorts. And I think this gets validated also because a, a friend of mine had actually taken a trip with one of you. I don't know who. And she was saying that uh, one of you had a constant uh, bead um chanter on your mobile and while you were trekking or something uh, you know you were constantly you know on that uh, bead i uh, on that mala chant yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so my friend was telling that and i think that just very nicely marries to the entire answer that you said right so thank you so much for that uh, you know just one a couple of questions before we move to the whole shark tank piece right is that when did you guys uh realize that hey we've hit pmf right because like riya rightly said there are a lot of players and again this is something that you mentioned in the episode as well that uh, pooja flowers is a very sticky category right like it's it's more of trust and faith and then quality and everything else right so um to a disrupt in a very sticky category with tech which is on the religious front in a country like india like how did you realize that hey we've hit pmf and there is some amount of growth trajectory that's visible from your mm-hmm. so i think in the first year we used to do our own subscriptions so end to end uh, up to the doorstep of the ca- uh, customer um and i think when we were able to scale that to around like 500 600 customers per day that's when we felt we really had that product market fit um because going obviously from go- 0 to 10 was really difficult but from 10 to 100 was much easier 100 to 500 was much much faster i think within uh, i would say like 3 to 4 months of pivoting completely into pooja flowers is when we hit that number so we knew that you know there really was something that was working here um that's why we went into the techstars accelerator program as well so i think it was like the perfect timing right like as soon as you know you have that initial product market fit how do you then put the accelerant on that and like grow it much faster and that's what the texas accelerator was all about um and i think for us it was really about the kind of engagement we got from our customers right like you're right in the sense that this is a sticky product like it's kind of like your milk and stuff like once you figure it out and set in your life you don't want to keep changing it after that which works out great for us but it was a broken system right like people weren't happy with the solution they were getting it just happened to be the only solution they could get which is the mandi flowers right so like yes a lot of young people would be like oh do people do puja but our customers like they got it like the first like we would say oh we do fresh puja flowers and they would be like yeah done sign me up you know because they knew that the system wasn't working that it was completely broken and for everyone they had different reasons to switch for some people it was i live really far away so nobody comes and gives it to me i have to pick it up on my way to work for the people is like oh price fluctuates a lot for most of them i would say 90% it was the quality you know like i don't even feel like doing puja because half the time these flowers are rotten or kind of dying and stuff like that um so in that way i think it was really easy for us to say yes we do have a solution for it and we do have product market fit now we just have to kind of grow it from agreed so so basically this is a very fragmented market right i mean people generally go to a uh, uh, 
a market which is like you know vegetable market or any a shop where you get such such kind of products and they go every day to buy fresh flowers right and with your product the main thing which you have to build as you said was a quality of the product and the it should be as fresh as possible because you are you're finally giving it like putting it in front of god and you know offering it to them and stuff like that so how uh, you know how are you kind of maintaining or because it's such a challenging situation right to maintain the quality and the freshness of the product you are building uh, first of all how was this idea i want to know in the back story that how was the idea developed or how did it come to your mind and secondly obviously supply chain is really very difficult to keep the freshness and you know uh, the quality of the product very well so how are you maintaining that also on the supply chain kind of thing like how how is the procurement done how do you send it across so just these two questions are how this idea come up and how do you kind of tackle this situations the idea of who as a whole is that what you're asking uh so the idea of hugu we got yeah in feb 2019 is when we launched so four years ago um and yeah it was part of our pitch as well but actually our mom was the inspiration where we saw her doing her daily puja um and then it was like we, we always obviously were around flowers because our family business was in flowers and our dad and mom had built up a cutlery business um but we never seen flowers that we having been in the industry right we were like this puja flowers is such an obvious use case you see these flowers everywhere but as riya said earlier they became invisible they were like the background of every cab you were taking every home you were visiting but you weren't really paying attention to it um but watching that puja happen while i was thinking about okay what do i want to do next uh, was like that aha moment and then when we discussed it with our father he was like this is so scalable and you know uh, he was saying like just imagine walking into a grocery store and then you have like malas up there and you're just you know able to cut the mala that you require and take it from there the same way you buy your vegetables um why is that not a reality was the question that we were asking ourselves and that's what we wanted to go out and uh, figure out that's how we started hugu um freshness as you said is the most important thing and in any fresh produce or any perishable of course freshness is important but for us like we keep saying freshness because it came from that deep customer inside where one of our customers said he was like we ask god for things throughout the day but flowers are the one thing that we ask god and we don't take back then how can we not give the best product because the freshness of your flower is for the for our customer the reflection of their love to god so how can you you know compromise on your love to your beloved your most important figure in your life which is the god that you pray to right so that's where freshness was so important because it wasn't just for our customers that oh today the flowers are not fresh they were like today if you don't give me fresh flowers you disrespected what i value the most in my life so we couldn't ever compromise on that freshness having given that so the first thing we did have to figure out was the supply chain uh, but that was our background right because our our parents had farms um, in india and africa and we had grown, grown up in that um, farming side of things that was the easiest thing for us to solve and that was very exciting as well talking to farmers onboarding them um, convincing them that this was a better model than what they were doing currently and of course riya built the entire tech that we used in house as well ensuring that tech was a very large play because it was going to be the enabler otherwise it's impossible for us to maybe one two farmers okay but how are you going to get to 100 500000 uh, so ensuring that that was there from day one so that we're constantly automating things like in our supply chain we're tracking literally every single flower um, and that would be impossible if it wasn't for the right systems and then of course our packaging i'll let riya talk about it mm-hmm. um honestly in terms of the so procurement i think was the big part of it working with farmers getting it fresh from the harvest 
Uh, we always knew we had to crack that. The packaging was kind of a happy accident. It was very iterative. So we kept being like, how, what more can we do? What's the best? I mean, this category didn't exist, right? So there was no format for us to follow in terms of packaging. We couldn't be like, ah, you know, bring the apple packaging. We'll just use that or blueberries or whatever. We didn't know what would work. So we would iteratively kind of be figuring out, oh, should we do this format? Should we do that? We really did a lot of experiments. I think our early customers remember it. They're like, oh, you used to come in a box, right? And then you used to come in this uh, different packet and then a clear packet. And so they remember all of that stuff that we did. Um, so it was very iterative. And then actually this, uh, like the processing that we do and the packaging and stuff like that, it's a mix of different steps, right? And it actually ended up because one of the experiments, I forgot about it. I didn't even think that anything could last for 15 days. I just left it. Like I left it on the shelf for like 15 days. Then I saw it and I was like, oh, I totally forgot about this. But these flowers are so fresh right now. That seems extremely unlikely. Um, and then I was like, okay, let me like try to redo whatever I've done the past time, blah, blah, blah. So we kept doing that. And I remember even when like the results, like when we finally like reproduced those results and we we're like, oh, this is actually lasting 15 days. We were presenting the findings to our team and we put it on like the last slide of our like 20 slide update. Cause we were like, this is not realistic. You know, like we're not going to be able to reproduce this much more. Um, so honestly, it was like very iterative, like very experimental. And like, I don't think we believed it in the first two, three months, right? The thing about the 15 day shelf life is you have to wait for like almost a month before you can like reproduce the results again. Um, so yeah, it was just a lot of like iterative, like processing and stuff like that. Basically, it just came from that obsession around freshness. Like even now, everyone in the company is always thinking, what else can we do to make sure that our product is high quality and high quality here equals freshness? Got it. I think through that, we get a very BTS of uh, what was not shown on Shark Tank, but, you know, are the core uh, building blocks to what Hubu is today, right? But thank you so much for that. So now, you know, shifting gears and uh, moving to the Shark Tank bit, right, where, where things started taking the entire momentum, right? So again, being very candid and first asking, like, how was the experience like? How was it like being in the tank? in front of the sharks you know like again what was shown was 15 20 minutes which was a which was a very small part of the larger pitch right so how did you guys prepare for the pitch and again i mean for all the founders who came in they said that we were asked to speak in uh, you know proper crisp hindi right so even vs money founders were like hey we are not you know native hindi speakers right but we had to go through that entire journey so would happy to uh, learn that entire experience yeah, that I think was the biggest thing because uh, we pitched multiple times and obviously it's our own company, so we're comfortable speaking about it. But as soon as Sony TV had reached out and they're like, oh yeah, but this is going to be in Hindi. I remember looking at Riyah and being like, impossible. <laughs> we can't do this. But she was like, no, but we have to try. Like, this is Sony TV, this is Shark Tank. We have to, you know, at least try to pull it off. Uh, so yeah, I mean, of course, that was a huge learning. A lot of practice, like our first round of pitching in Hindi, I remember our team seeing it and being like, oh God, these two are going to make a fool of themselves <laughs> on national television. Um, but yeah, it was a really exciting process. Overall, very, very positive. Uh, usually when people think about reality TV, you know, you, you don't really know what to expect. But I think the entire Sony TV team, the entire production team is so positive and they genuinely want to see every company succeed, right? They want you to put your best foot forward. Um, so even in terms of pitch help and like, just thinking through how you want to do your presentation and 
the props, everything, right? They're always there to be like, okay, how do we support you so you can do a better job? Uh, and then they were like, once you walk through those doors, you're on your own in the ta tank. Till then, we're here to support you. Um, so yeah, I think it was like a super exciting process overall, being in the tank with these founders. Obviously, the, the sharks are, you know, have done a lot and have achieved a lot through their company. So it was really nice to be in that room with them. Uh, our actual pitch was an hour and a half. Of course, on TV, we only saw 15 minutes. So we also didn't know which parts would make it to TV. Um, so it was a really free-flowing free conversation, honestly, with the Sharks and a, um, a lot of learnings from the kind of questions that they asked us as well. Um, so yeah, I think that that's how my experience was, but I'll let Ria add to it. Yeah, I think great experience overall. We were terrified about the Hindi part. We actually did our first audition tape in this room itself. And like we looked like prisoners. We're like, hi, mera naam. You know, like it was so <laughs> stressful, but um, great experience. The team was amazing. Uh, obviously, we met a lot of other founders who were practicing at the same time as us. I think that gave us a lot of comfort as well. And we were all like rooting for each other. Like we would finish our filming and come out, you know, and each team as they would come out, uh, they would be like, oh, like how did it go? And we'd be like, oh, best of luck and stuff. So it was nice. You know, there was a lot of camaraderie. And I think for us as founders, we were like, when else in our life are we going to be in a reality TV show or like in Yashrad Studios? You know, like it was just such a weird and like, uh, strange thing that we're so lucky to have experienced because of Hulu, right? Like, um, it's it's our company, but it's kind of taken us on a journey that even we didn't expect to be on. Um, so I think it's just feeling extremely fortunate that we got to experience this. And yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah, luckily no trolls or anything. So that's been good. What made you like go to the tank? I mean, uh, did you like decide from maybe season one that you want to be a part of the uh, Shark Tank uh, founders and you want to pitch to them, or it it, it was just uh, naturally that okay, let's try and see if we get a if we get a chance to be there? Yeah. So actually, um, I I had obviously seen clips of Shark Tank season one, but I hadn't watched the entire season and stuff. Um, and then someone reached out to me on LinkedIn and. Is this uh, person? And she was like, "Oh, like I'm reaching out to Sony TV. This is the application we want you to be on Shark Tank too." And I was like, "This is obviously spam, you know? Like, why would Sony TV reach out to me?" Then I ignored it. I like didn't even respond. I was like, "Whatever." And then she reached out again. She's like, "This is not spam. Like, I want you to apply to it." <laughs> and then you know, we got on a call with her actually, and we we spoke through our reservations, right? Like the Hindi aspect, of course, and for us. Huvu is a puja brand, right? Like people can make fun of us how much ever they want to, but th that brand and what it represents is not something that we want people to ever be laughing at. You know, like there's a lot of people who put a lot of work behind it. There's a lot of customers who attach a lot of emotional value to it. And we don't take that lightly at all. Um, so we were like, you know, that's, we don't want to put it in a situation where it, it gets cheapened because of laughter and things like that. Um, so I think then she really reassured us and she was like, that's not what this show is about. And, you know, I encourage you to actually watch properly the entire season one and think about it because we are about encouraging entrepreneurship in this country, right? Like it's not about putting down entrepreneurs or like saying that entrepreneurs are like begging for money or, you know, that, that power equation isn't there in that show at all. You know, it's that entrepreneurs are representing an opportunity and the sharks are kind of, um, willing to participate in that opportunity that is the equation that's there so i think all of that like convinced us and we were like okay so we did the first audition tape 
uh, it was really, really bad. The Hindi was like Google Translate Hindi and we were very uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, she was like, it's okay. Like, we'll work on it. We'll help you guys get better at your Hindi and stuff. Uh, they really helped us. You know, that was also during our peak festival time. It was during Shavan Mass, so like August onwards. So I remember for the second application, she was like, hey, you haven't filled it out yet. And I was like, listen, we're so busy. It's Ganesh Chaturthi time. Please leave us alone. Like, you know, business comes first before all of this stuff, right? But they were really supportive. They were like, no, no, it's fine. We'll extend the deadline for you guys. So apply again and stuff. So when I say they held our hand and they got us through, they really, really did it. You know, wouldn't have been possible without the Shark Tank. Uh, what does Hobo mean? Puja means flowers in Kannada, um, and you know when anybody kind of thinks about puja or puja flowers, they tend to think about it in their native language. We think about our mothers, our grandmothers, um, and being in Bangalore, we wanted to pay homage to our city. Understood. Uh, now that you have investments and you have like the tech uh, expert Piyush and you have the marketing expert Aman, right? Uh, how has the experience been working with them? How uh, how have they guided you post the tank, post the show, and uh, uh, you know uh, how how are the insights from them helping you make it or scale it to a much bigger brand than what it was during the tank, what it is now, and what it will be in the future? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's been great to like have those resources be available to us. Uh, I would say honestly, like not just the sharks like Aman and Piyush themselves, but even the larger Shark Tank community, right? Like um, there's like this group chat that we have of all of the different founders who had pitched on the show and stuff. And uh, for Holy, actually we're working with a bunch of other Shark Tank companies to like do different promotions and stuff. So I think like anytime you're plugged into the ecosystem, it's amazing. Uh, Shark Tank is like just another way to do that. Uh, we were actually in Delhi last week meeting Piyush. Um, so that was really cool to like give him our products and get him to like touch and feel them and interact with it. Um, yeah, and we're looking, we're actually, we haven't met Aman yet, but we're looking forward to meeting him next week. Um, so I think it's exciting. I think we're still like figuring out what exactly that means uh, to have them be a part of the company. Um, but we know that it's going to be something that's really exciting and fuel the growth that we see. So guys, like uh, this, this is one patent question that we have for all the Shark Tank founders, right? Is that what was the growth response mayhem that was there post, you know, the episode went uh, on air, right? Like Aria, you were talking about how you just did one refresh and there were 3000 followers added to Hovu's Instagram after the episode went live, right? So like what, what was the scene like post, uh, airing and how essentially were you able to manage things and more importantly from the logistics side of things right because like for everyone 3pl and all becomes a complete mess uh, given the amount of demand surge that happens so luckily for us we actually had a model for exactly what it would look like which is our festival season right like we have our day-to-day -day bread and butter subscriptions and then during Diwali, Ganesh Chaturthi, Varma Lakshmi, we see a huge spike, right? Like, so seeing that like 20, 30, you know, like it going up to those numbers, that's actually something that we experience on a regular basis. So um, that contraction and expansion of demand, uh, I think we were fairly prepared for. Um, we actually launched a new line of agarbattis, uh, doop sticks, doop cones on our website right before Shark Tank, like literally, I would say like two, three days beforehand. Um, so if that was, I think like new for us, flowers, we're kind of used to expanding and 
you know catering to that demand but um, these that explosion and the love that we saw for the line of fragrances that we came out with um that was really cool uh, i think it was like all hands on deck uh, i don't think anyone slept properly for a week um, but yeah it's a good problem to have honestly can't complain yeah and what was interesting was also just um, general love towards the company not just customers and the sales aspect but so many people applying for a job or you know just saying i don't know how i want to be involved but i want to somehow be involved like so remember me and stuff like that um so our inboxes were definitely like bombarded with a lot of emails but it was great right because uh, you got a lot of great talent you got connected to a lot of great people that loved the story and wanted to be involved with the company understood so again uh, now a uh, little towards the business side of the things right uh, you already have like obviously need a tech uh side of the things you have operation side of the things you need someone from the brand side of the things as well right so uh, how big is your team how are the roles divided amongst your team especially between riya and yashoda yourselves and how uh, you know you guys uh, you know manage the day to day operations day to day branding and obviously i think the tech side manages all the supply chain orders and everything so how are these three aspects uh, managed internally between you and your team as well So our team is pretty large because we are an ops-heavy business, right? Um, so we usually sixty-five to seventy people, and during festivals we go up to even hundred people in our team. Uh, in terms of our corporate team, that's about twenty people that take care of these different functions, um, and we have a great team overall. Like um, you know, we were shooting during that Ganesh Chaturthi and like post that time. Uh, during the festivals, so we weren't available at all on our phones, and we were in a different city and. our team was handling everything by themselves right so that way we've been super super fortunate that everybody genuinely believes that they're building towards a larger vision genuinely believes that huwu is is something that they own um and and we love that right and um, everyone including our junior most supervisor to the most senior member of the team has that ownership which we absolutely love and i think is a large part of the culture of the company um amongst us in terms of the role so i'm the ceo i take care of the day to day operations finance riya is the cto she takes care of marketing and tech and product so more than cto as well cmo is riya too <laughs> yeah so yashta takes care of all, like the backbone of the business the finance and the operations and i get to do like the fun stuff which is the marketing <laughs> and product and stuff um and the way that you know riya has built out our tech as well is that someone who is able to use whatsapp should be able to use our tech so we don't even need like it's not like you know there's the dashboard and someone's like oh okay we need the tech team to help us with this but everyone including some of our supervisors and our packing team uh, who didn't even own phones before right they came they started working and i remember a couple of them the first day they're like yeah i don't have a phone so i can't give you a number to contact me and i was yeah. like how do we inform you <laughs> of anything they are so comfortable of course now with their phones using the app uploading data on like procurement and stuff um so that was really great you know to be able to see that you're um building for a team that may not be tech native or adopted as easily but are able to adopt it now and that's where a lot of our data comes in that's where a lot of the systems come in from as well um so that's always really exciting to see that growth within team members i think that that that's super interesting in terms of you know how um diligently the roles are divided right because uh, generally most people have three four co-founders and everyone has one c attached to their title right so having multiple c's attached to one person is something very interesting um but you know before moving to the conclusionary ends of our conversation right 
one question that i wanted to ask you and again this is uh, in tangency with uh, the current campaign that you guys launched is that for holy you guys have uh, you know colors right for the colors part that you are putting out right now so wanted to understand that 5 years down the line 10 years down the line will flower be the mvp or the center focal product and there will be offshoots around or will it be a very equitable distribution wherein for anything cultural traditional or spiritual who would be the brand that would be attached and not just flowers so we see ourselves as a puja consumables business right um and that includes of course the colors for specific festivals but your other products like the agarbattis and stuff as well flowers are always going to be at the heart of what we're building and we are called hubu as well for a reason um that is our strength um that is what makes us different and i think that's what excites us a lot as founders too and as an entire company um having said that when it comes to the puja consumables that actually came from a lot of demand from our customers when um the puja consumables market is pretty broken right there are a few maybe legacy brands that have existed for a long time but most of the uh, market is still unorganized and um first of all people don't know which brands to buy from and second they don't know what constitutes a good quality product versus not a lot of people get burns from kumkum because it's adulterated but don't really understand how to know if they're getting fresh kumkum or not and stuff right so with us to customers would tell us like you're you're building for that high quality product you're giving me fresh flowers which is the hardest thing to solve in the entire puja basket why can't you give us the other products too because i don't want to go buy those other products from other places um so from that we started looking at what are the products that we can add value and give to customers and that's how of course we launched the agarbatti dhoop cones dhoop sticks the holy colors and have a few exciting launches um lined up for the rest of the year as well i think for as the ethos is the puja experience is broken right like that was the first inside that was how we got into this uh the one that we addressed first was flowers because that was what we were most capable of addressing um but but like yashoda said the rest of the puja experience you know like you get your wicks in these telas and then it's leaking and then things get mixed up and it's supposed to be a pure and fresh experience and it's really anything but you know like your beautiful puja room it's usually the most fancy room in the house but all your puja items are like stuffed into one drawer or hidden behind the door because it's a point of visual pollution you know it's not adding to your puja experience actually usually detracting from it um so i think there's clearly an opportunity there and there's something that needs to be solved um and for us when we say we're a fresh take on traditions that's what it is right like even if you look at our holy colors that we're doing we could have just launched you just repackaged existing holy colors or whatever or, uh do the natural colors which everyone else in the market is doing but our colors are completely different right the formulation that we do which it's pure flowers like powdered right like it's a 100% natural product flowers and greens put together it smells amazing even though there's no scents added in there's like the color is so much deeper than the kind of corn flower based natural colors that you typically get um so i think it's always about having a fresh take right like if we're going to do holy powders let's do something different in holy powders which only we can do uh which make you see the whole festival in a different way like holy is a celebration of spring right it's about the colors which are already there in nature like bringing them into your home so that's why this product made a lot of sense to us like it's a synergy between those things um even when we look at the rest of the puja experience with our agarbattis and dhoops for example that's our way in right like not just okay people use agarbattis so we're going to do agarbattis but what can we do so the natural agarbattis you know people shouldn't feel like 
they're going to fall sick because they're lighting agarbatis in their own puja room you know it's about purifying the air like not making it worse so having those natural products having the floral element in there of recycling the flowers to make these agarbatis i think each of these it it has to be meaningful right like flowers was exciting to us to solve a problem but also cuz we were good at solving that each product that we go after i think will be similar it should be something that people want solved and something that we're capable of solving and bringing a fresh leaf to got it got it that's like a super insightful yet uh, you know subjective narrative on why and what you guys are doing right so now coming to the last two questions that we ask all founders or all uh, panelists whom we host is that a um, again and this is very relevant to what who is right so we strongly as as thinking out loud feel that uh, we see founders and content is something that's going to be very overlapping in the future right and there will be a lot more commonality between them then distinction right so for a business like who which is all about creating category in some sense and at the same time educating and making the consumer more aware right how do you think content play is going to be extremely helpful for your distribution at large and secondly because uh, yashoda you and riya both are so well read and you have such very high degree pedigree in terms of education right what are the sources of learning or knowledge if i may say so that you used to keep yourself you know abreast with not just with your business but in general like like knowledge in general uh, i can do the first one um honestly it's not about how content is going to help us it already has right i think from day one content was something that was baked into our dna um because when we say a fresh take on traditions how do you get people to relook at these flowers or these traditions right like a big part of it is just giving them the context and the meaning behind what they've already been kind of doing uh so content i think like from day one has been really important like um it's just lovely to kind of revisit old things and see them in a new way and that's what we're constantly trying to do with our community um i think it's impossible to build a community without kind of focusing on the content and information that you're giving them um yeah so i think that is the content piece and how we're handling that in terms of learning I think that's the biggest thing for every entrepreneur and I think honestly for anyone that wants to you know succeed in their field like how do you constantly focus on learning and observing uh, your environment um of course there are different ways to learn both of us love reading we are a bit more than me so we spend a lot of time reading a lot of things which is where we get a lot of our learnings from but honestly just looking around you is where you get a lot of your learning from right uh, spending time talking to your customers spending time just observing how people are practicing the things that they do uh, sometimes when you're building something and you're so focused on it we become so obsessed with just that one problem and not looking at anything else but actually when you take a step back from what you're solving and just speak to other founders and you know want to understand how they build their businesses there are a lot of learnings that you get from that like i love like visiting other people's like offices and warehouses and asking them about their business it has nothing to do with me and like one of my friends runs a sweet shop and i'm like oh can i visit your sweet factory and she's like are you interested in starting sweets and i'm like absolutely not but that's why i want to spend time there because you'll always get some sort of learnings when you when you put your mind, brain in those situations um and even between us we always share like you know interesting articles or a podcast that we have listened to that we like with each other because i think there's always something to learn and it's just about keeping your eyes and ears open on 
any recommendations to read or listen to or something like that newsletters or probably anything which you follow regularly uh personally i listen to a lot of podcasts uh which i enjoy uh i like the matrix moments podcast a lot so i think it's really cool cuz you speak to a lot of founders there and stuff um and i recently read think like a monk by jay shetty and i think just generally spiritual literature excites me not just because our business is in that space but when you understand yourself better i think you anyway start building better products and everything mm-hmm. yeah matrix moments for sure like there's an episode by shashank mehta i mean whole truth foods and i think we've seen it like so many times we just love that episode um i think for me i i love to read a lot so i think books is where i really get a lot of things um i recently read simply fly simply fly by captain gopi captain gopina that was really cool to see like how he switched between different industries and stuff and i'm his big fan like i watched the movie that's based on his life and messaged him on linkedin like years ago <laughs> so that was really cool for me um i also really love this newsletter um it's by this author called alan sakasis um it's it's amazing it's like about tech and it's always a very different perspective on tech than what everyone else is talking about but very deep dive it's not like headliney or like buzzy stuff um so i love that i think it helps me think a lot about what we're building as well understood uh, i i i am a big book buff uh, so i also like to read a lot but uh, for some reason i can't read fiction so i uh, i just stick to non fiction business books or books on finance because that's my domain per se so i i think but uh, you know we had a uh, recording yesterday and he's like read more fiction if you can because the ideas which you have because they think very creatively uh, they the plot is very clever the plot is very gripping so it just gives you a lot of ideas on how and he, he, it was that don't read on your domain itself just read something outside your domain so it just uh, kind of stretches your imagination and your uh, expertise level uh, so i think that that also really helps and podcast uh, i'll surely take a note of the ones which you mentioned and start listening i have not listened to them yet so i'll i'll try it out but uh, thank you so much uh, for taking the time out today i think it was absolutely a pleasure talking to you you guys are building an experience which becomes pure uh, powerful and blissful for the users uh, of your product and and that's what is required when you are offering something in front of uh, you know god and and uh, and i think this is something which is really good uh, to to be in a very fragmented market but try to you know kind of uh, channelize it and make it more organized i i think that's really going to be helpful so thank you again uh,